Well, it's just after 10 minutes past 10 for a Thursday morning, and this is where I invite you to join us on Facebook Live. If you have a few minutes spare, as we say hi to Steve Fines. Good morning. Good morning. I, I had, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this week's affairs, but I, I had a strange encounter last week. Oh, yeah. Which was with a listener. I'm now, not. as you know, I, I, I only think we have one listener, so it was quite a surprise to know that there may be, they may be in multiples of more than one. And she said to me, she was, she was being very she nice. Said she said, me, you know, yeah. she always listens to the program and she says, the only thing is, every time you come on air, you're always critical, you're always negative I about know. Hong Kong. Yep. I was a little taken aback because, you know, to me, Hong Kong is family. And what do you do about things you care about is <laughs> criticise them. I don't, I mean, I don't know about your family, but in my family, we all criticise each other. It's not because we don't like each other. It's because we have rather high expectations and we find fault quite easily. Steve, so, news just in, Steve Vine's cuddly fuzzy side coming out as imminently. Let's not, <laughs> let, 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 let's not go to extreme lengths here. <laughs> so what I said to her, and, and I'd just like to say this generally is, Yes, yes, I, I hold my hands up. I am critical, but you know, you, you're only critical about things which you really care about. And I do really care about Hong Kong and I worry about what's happening in Hong Kong. And that's the source of um, uh, this, uh, if you like, persistent criticism. But enough of that. So our listener now, she can, she can remove the contract, the fatwa on you. She can remove the contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really nice. I'm only harassing her once a day, so, you know, it's, it's fine. Fair enough. It's fair enough. Well, say hello to her for me next time you meet her. <laughs> a listener at Symposium. She <laughs> meant very well, I would have to yeah. say that. Well, Steve. But, we you know, here we are. Today we have the opening of the two sessions in, in, in Beijing. That's the um, National People's Congress and the Consultative Blah 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 Conference of Blah Blah Blah. And um, don't hold your breath. Whatever comes in front of them, they will definitely be rubber stamp. But that's not quite the point, because what's going to come in front of them, uh, although, of course, all of this occurs in a black box, so we don't know the precise details, but we do know mm -hmm. that what we will see emerging from these two meetings, primarily the meeting of the National People's Congress itself, is what is euphemistically being called a reform of the election system. And we've got a pretty idea what that will contain. Mm -hmm. Number one, it will mean that the current system of elections where people can choose the people they want to vote for, that's at an end. Number two, people can choose the candidates that they want to stand in elections. That will be at an end. The way the, um, a portion, uh, the results of the elections, because the opposition will be more or less eliminated from participating. Will almost certainly mean, and this has been suggested, that the I'm going to get him to repeat all this. Don't worry, he's having a moment. Steve, I cannot hear you. Yep, he's had a big freeze up there. All right, I'm going to leave it for a second. Ah, oh, yeah, are you back there? Um, am I back? Yeah, I missed all of that, Steve. Big, I just... big apologies, big freeze up there. I was just about to hit the big red button on you as well. Go on. 
oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry about that from this end too. But 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 what I was saying is what what we can be sure about is that there won't be elections in the way that we've had them here. And remember, even those elections weren't exactly a paradigm of democracy. They were a very limited form of democracy, mm -hmm. but that's all going to be expunged. What particularly exercises the minds of these anti-Democrats are the district council elections, because they're the nearest thing we have to one person, one vote, mm -hmm. much more so than in LegCo, where half of the members are indirectly elected by minuscule constituencies. That doesn't happen in the district councils. And because the pro-China camp have convinced themselves, this isn't my estimation, this is their estimation, that they can't win elections by free and fair means, they've decided, oh, we'll have to change the playing field, otherwise, you know, all is lost. So there are suggestions that um, uh, by Rita Fan, for example, always a reliable weather vane and never uttering an idea that hasn't been put into her mouth by one of the officials, that, that in future candidates for election will be pre-screened by the election committee. The election committee, of course, will be purged of anybody who disagrees with the party line. D district councillors. So district councillors and indeed other opposition figures. Mm -hmm. So you can be sure that if they're selected by members or screened by members of the election committee, that will exclude any um, significant opposition members. But they'll keep some. I mean, people keep forgetting that, that in, in mainland China itself, there is allegedly a, a multi-party system. It consists of eight so-called democratic parties, as well as the Communist Party. And they're given little jobs, you know, they're allowed to join various committees. And there was, um, I was reading, because I'm quite interested in this, a, a marvellous um, defence of, of, of the multi-party system in the mainland. And, and the person writing it said, oh, you know, we have quite a lot. He's a member of one of these little partyettes. Mm. He said, oh, we have quite a lot of influence. I'll give you an example. One of our members managed to suggest to the Beijing um, authorities that the signposting at the international airport in Beijing was confusing and there might be a better way of sorting it out. I mean, you know, earth-shaking stuff. So Hong Kong's opposition to the new opposition, the muted opposition, the puppet opposition, may well, I look forward to it, have an opportunity to look at the signage at Hong Kong's international airport. That would be a marvellous thing, and only only a cynic would, would say that might be a bit farcical. I'll tell you what, Steve, the thing that actually cracked me up some years ago going to Beijing Airport was that uh, they take all your lighters away from you at the customs thing, yet there's a smoking room inside. <laughs> <laughs> I've never f figured that one out. <laughs> well, you know, logic is There's one guy thing. who let's has not, the flame. Let's not overdo it. <laughs> but... What is um, interesting about this, uh, I mean, you know, I've got to get out of the mindset of saying, oh, well, they were going to do that, it's inevitable. I think we should stop thinking in terms of everything being inevitable. What is interesting to me is, of course, that Hong Kong will have no part in deciding its own election system. I mean, Maria Tam says it's necessary because there aren't enough people left in LegCo. Uh, Rita Fan says it's necessary because the expertise for Hong Kong's election system only resides in Beijing. CY Learn, who incidentally is threatening to come back as chief executive, what a delight that would be, is saying, 
Well, the only reason Hong Kong has any autonomy is because it's granted by Beijing. Therefore, could Hong Kong please just shut up yeah. and, and accept whatever crumbs fall from the table? So all the quizlings are saying, you know, the high degree of autonomy means zilch. You shouldn't regard it as being significant in any way. In this instance, what it does mean, though, is not only um, will elections be reduced to farce, I think that much is clear, but the active um, political persecution of the remnants of the opposition will be stepped up. Now, we've seen what's going on in the courts this week. We'll see more of that in, in coming weeks. More or less, the entire political leadership of the opposition movement is in court at one time or another now and faced with horrendously long sentences, mm. the sort of masters that became infamous or in fact are infamous in all dictatorships. I mean, these mass trials are a very signature part of the way they conduct their affairs. And while all of this is going on, and again, you know, you could perhaps overlook it if it was, um, there was less going on. There's so much, it's like you're being banged from every I side know, every I day. Know, I know. You, you have um, Xiao Baolong, who's the head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office in Beijing. In other words, the most senior Chinese official responsible for Hong Kong on a daily basis, saying, singling out three people who he says are traitors and should be even more severely punished. He's talking about Jimmy Lai, Joshua Wong and Benny Tai. Now, this form of naming and shaming was very, very prevalent during the Cultural Revolution. Remember, that's the revolution so-called, in which countless millions of people were persecuted, lost their lives, certainly lost their employment, um, lost their homes, etc., etc. And what happened was people were singled out from the very lowest village level to the most senior levels of society. This person is an enemy of the state. They must be eradicated. Now, Mr. Shah is making his comments at a time when these people are on trial, the three people I mentioned are on trial. Mm -hmm. The convention in Hong Kong even, let alone anywhere else in the world, has been that senior government officials do not proclaim the guilt or innocence of a person who's on trial. And they certainly don't specify what kind of sentence they should be given where the presumption of guilt, which is his presumption, has been made. I mean, it's, it's a shock in a way. And cynics will say, well, you shouldn't be shocked by anything. Well, once you've lost your ability to be shocked by this kind of behaviour, you've lost your ability to be rational, I think. Do you think people are getting numb now? I know exactly what you're talking about. There's lots yes, of expressions of, well, he would, wouldn't he? Or that kind of thing. And people are going, um, oh, what would you expect? Well, I'm, I'm one of the naive people who read the basic law very carefully, read the joint declaration very carefully and assumed that these documents had a meaning, were what they said they were, that a high degree of autonomy meant a high degree of autonomy, that an independent judiciary meant an independent judiciary. That, that freedom of expression, which is guaranteed under the basic law, meant freedom of expression. Now, all of these things are accompanied by the word but. You can have freedom of expression, but that doesn't mean you have freedom of expression. You can have independence of the judiciary, but the judiciary must, as in the Chinese system more generally, 
it must serve the interests of the state. So, you know, if you were in any way um, had spent a lot of time, and, and you know, that's time that I'm never going to get back again in my life, reading all the documents, reading everything that had been promised to Hong Kong, you would have cause to regret having spent that time because it's, it's being rendered as meaningless. Let me ask you a question. What's been going on over the past couple of days with the 47 people, etc., etc.? Do you reckon this will be seen as a massive test of what you've just said? Is this uh, independent judiciary? Those two words are used very, very frequently. Is this a super-duper test of that? You know, that's a very good question, and I'm not really ready to prejudge it. And, and I've spoken to people in the legal profession who remain cautious, they remain of the view, I mean, these are the people I've spoken to, I'm sure other sure. views exist, that there is still scope for judges to exercise what has always been their role as impartial adjudicators in legal cases. Mm-hmm. But this pressure is vast. The naming and shaming of judges who, according to the various quizlings, have been insufficiently um, severe on protesters who've come up for trial or have even had the temerity to equip them for lack of sufficient evidence. The pressure on them in the Quisling newspapers has been intense. And what we have seen now is that you get mentioned in one of these, these uh, publications and the next thing you know is at dawn, a squad of policemen arrive on your front door and arrest you Um, for charges under the National Security Act, the National Security Law. And incidentally, this naming and shaming, it it, it is of judges, it is of people in the media. And now you have this case that's going on at the moment with uh, Vivian Vivian Lau, who's the head of the um, Food and Health Bureau, who is guilty by association. This is, again, a throwback to the Cultural Revolution. So the Quisling Press are saying she should be sacked because her husband is a member of an organization that, according to them, showed sympathy towards the protests. This is the old concept, the old Maoist concept of purity in families. If one of your family members is contaminated or criticized, the whole family has to suffer. Mm. She's also criticized, for, for example, of showing insufficient vigor in cleaning up the Lenin walls, Lenin walls, you know, Oh, blimey. Uh, um, and, and if anybody thinks that what starts with Vivian Lau ends with Vivian Lau, they've got to be completely start staring bonkers. Once you get an appetite for naming and shaming, it's insatiable. Once the Quislings realise that all they need to do is criticise somebody and do it consistently, and there you go. The National Security Police will turn up on your doorstep and do all the rest. Mm. Very, very worrying. Just back a few weeks, the press here was talking about these, what, what you described as dobbing in hotlines. So <coughs> basically, this is a, this is a much more um, grown-up version of that, isn't it? Yes. Much more advanced version of that. It's a much more advanced version of that. I mean, you know, where we are is a, an avalanche of action that, that, that I don't think even the most concerned of people anticipated. It was quite interesting. At the seminar where um, uh, Xiao Baolong was speaking in Shenzhen, um, one of the most hardline 
of the um, Quislings in Hong Kong, Xu Xinpo, who was um, very closely associated with CY Lo, apparently said at this same seminar, oh, we've got to be a bit careful about overkill here, you know, um, we've more or less smashed the opposition. If you, if you keep going on like this, maybe there will be unfavorable consequences. So even in the ranks of the Quislings, there is a bit of unease about the, the speed and the enormous impact of this crackdown that's underway at the moment. But I mean, there's no signs of it um, easing up. I mean, by the day we hear of new arrests, by the day people are being um, shoveled into jail, by the day conventional legal processes are being undermined. Take the case which is in the, the West Kowloon Magistrate right at the moment. Mm -hmm. This is of the um, people alleged to have breached national security by taking part in a referendum ahead of the district council elections. Reporting restrictions have been imposed. Why would that be? I mean, uh, one of the lawyers of, of, the, um, of one of the defendants was arrested at the court for failing to produce appropriate um, identification, although lawyers in Hong Kong, by the by, do not carry special identification. I mean, someone's got to sort out, you know, the arrest of lawyers in courts is something we see a lot in the mainland. We've not seen that in Hong Kong before. All right, Steve, what are we going to get on to after the news? Because we'll have a little break in just a second. I, I think we might just talk about this. Some, this virus thing doesn't oh, seem to yeah. have gone there is that. <laughs> Stick around. Let's do it. Uh, if you want to get in touch, Morning Brew at rthk.hk or we are on Facebook Live. Okay, Steve, 29 minutes to 11 o'clock right now. Last bit with Steve Vines talking about vaccinations and stuff like that. Funny, isn't it, how one piece of news can send a wave through the community. Apparently, tons of people dumped their appointments yesterday to get vaccinated because one poor fellow died. Yeah, you're, you're, you're picking up on that. Yeah. Um, the first item in, in the bulletin, this 63-year-old man who died within days of receiving the Sinovac vaccination. The problem here, and it has been the problem with the vaccination program, is one of credibility. Mm. So we have a vaccine, which still, even though it's being rolled out in Hong Kong, hasn't gone through the, 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 the third phase of testing. We have a vaccine which we know its efficacy is in a range of 50 to 60%, the lowest of any vaccine available in the world today. Let's keep stressing that because it's very important. Then you have somebody who's received a jab and has died. Now, these doctors who haven't examined the patient are making confident assertions as to whether or not he um, met his ultimate fate because of the vaccination. I'm sure their um, intentions are noble. They don't want to put people off being vaccinated. But what's putting people off being vaccinated is a lack of transparency. Surely it's not beyond the wit of the government medical system to conduct a proper autopsy on this unfortunate individual and determine the actual cause of his death. If it is related to the vaccine, we certainly need to know about that. Is this a big backpedal? basically. Sorry? Is this a big back, a PR backpedal, basically? Well, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it, it, it just to me smacks of, of, a, of a ridiculous attitude 
of saying people should offer their trust in something without giving verification for why that trust should be offered. As I say, if it turns out that, that his death is entirely unrelated to the vaccine, I think we should know that. I mean, that would be very reassuring. But, you know, why is it that, that politics and the precedence being given to the Chinese vaccine over all other vaccines is so paramount rather than the consideration of what is medically effective and what inspires the most public confidence. Just going back on what you said there, Steve, you said, you know, if it's not related, then just say so and we will move on and everything will be hunky-dory. Just let me quote a well, few... Well, not only just say so, but provide the evidence. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, provide yeah. the evidence. So yeah. the, the wording in the news here is the former head of the Centre for Health Protection says the conclusion from an expert panel that the death of a 63-year-old man was not vaccine-related is sound and evidence-based. So that's saying to me that... Uh, proof, if, if you like, what you're getting at has been reached. And back to your question, if well, that's the case, the then tell us. The problem with that is nobody's seen it. It's an, it's an assertion. Nobody has seen the detailed reasons for this gentleman's death. Evidence-based is, are the words they're using here. So, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's, if you have the evidence-based yeah, conclusion, well, I mean, we'll tell us and we'll, honestly, come, we'll rebook our appointments. We're in a we're in a we're in a very critical time. Hong Kong stands on the verge, like many other places in the world, of being able to seriously get down to solving this problem. Mm. And I think, as everybody understands, it will only ultimately be solved by a universal vaccination program. And to make that happen, to make enough people take the vaccination, it has got to be a hundred percent credible. And this lack of transparency is not helping. Right. Let's go to some messages on our Facebook page. Nice, easy one from Tommy. Steve, are you going to get vaccinated, he says. Answer is yes. Right. But I'm not thinking, I'm not taking, I'm sorry, folks, I'm not taking Sinovac. I can't see the point of being vaccinated with something which is 50 to 60 percent effective. Punter point so, of view, always welcome. Let's move on here. Susan, she says... The BioNTech vaccination booking was a nightmare first thing yesterday morning. I had to try three times and switch from PC to phone and finally make to finally make a booking. The hotline couldn't help. And Colin says, I believe in China the Sinovac vaccine is not given to anyone over 60. Random bits of information here. Very welcome. Thank you. Well, can I just say to Susan, if she got through on three attempts, she did a lot <laughs> better than I did. I was also trying to register for the BioNTech um, um vaccine and the problem there wasn't so much as accessing the website which as she says was involved very heavy delays but once you'd gone through and filled in the forms and you then go to the next stage which is concluding the booking yeah the process froze more than once i can't remember how many times so this hasn't been smooth I, you know i appreciate that, that it, there was a large volume of traffic and these things will i hope eventually be sorted out but Unfortunately, in the case of BioNTech, which a lot of people want to have, mm -hmm. supplies are very limited, much more limited than they are of the Sinovac vaccine. So even if you do get through, and hopefully more people will, um, you know, there ain't enough here to do the job. So there's two problems with that particular vaccine. Mm. Susan, when is it? 
How long have you got to wait? Give us the rest of the story. Just interested to know one person's experiences. Well, anybody's experiences, if you want to share them with us. Steve. Well, it, 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 it is um, an issue still. I mean, we, we're in a situation where we're waiting for the vaccine program to kick in. And the speed at which it's happening is agonizingly slow. I mean, even... I, I can say this as somebody who's British, even even the lax and totally unorganized British have managed to roll out a vaccination program thanks to the National Health Service at extraordinary speed. Hong Kong, which is one of the logistic hubs widely admired around the world, seems unable to do this. Hong Kong, which has in many respects a fantastic reputation for efficiency, is, is literally um, banging out a couple of tens of thousands of, of, of vaccines a day. It's not good enough. It really is not good enough. It needs to be faster and it needs to be more seamless. Okay. I suspect the reason it isn't is because every all bets have been placed on Sinovac. Yeah, not from this side of not from this side of the radio, I guess. Nigel says, uh, "I've been trying to convince my parents to get vaccinated and talking to friends in the same position. A lot of physicians are advising their patients to wait. Can I ask you where they are? Are they here in Hong Kong or or overseas, Nigel? Thanks. Anyway, Steve. I think that there is a problem um, with some of these vaccines for." Um, people with chronic health conditions and people who are elderly. Obesity and, and more, is the news this morning, um, isn't it? Obesity is the news. So, well, but, but in the case of obesity, they're just saying people are more prone to have a, um, a serious experience. Well, everybody has a serious in, in experience. In countries where obesity is a problem. They're more likely to die, yeah. I think, is what, what they're saying. Yeah. So those people are very high risk and certainly should be um, inoculated. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're... We're in a world where we want simple answers to confusing questions. We want an absolute guarantee that there won't be side effects from the vaccine. Well, how can we the Hong Kong government get one of those? Exactly. Hong Kong government is saying, well, we can open things up when there are zero infections. I personally don't think there ever will be zero infections. There's never zero cold infections, are there? Well, there you go. You, you don't have zero flu infections, although um vaccination for the common flu is is widespread and it is a fact that, that the flu kills more people than covid ever have in hong kong let's get some of these answers before uh, before i go cool on this one so basically uh night comes back he says none of us having any luck getting our parents vaccinated regardless of the manufacturer everyone is taking the let the guinea pig go first attitude he said they are in hong kong uh tommy says can someone share the link of the biontech booking well i'm sure they will uh susan 18th march first dose uh, I was sorry, RTHK News yesterday said they got on easily and it was working fine. They didn't proceed to actual booking, which is where the problem occurred, as Steve pointed out. Colin, I booked BioNTech vaccine yesterday. I waited six minutes, quite smooth. Book for 10th and 31st. Uh, one more. Howard, I registered at 10 a.m. yesterday. No problems at all. I've even changed the date of the first injection. Um, I'd love to dump all over the government, but I can't this time. So we're getting a very curious egg feedback here yeah. about Well, I'm delighted logistics. to hear that some people had a good experience. I, I'm telling you, my experience was not, yeah. not one of those good ones. Yeah. I can also say, just as a 
public service, and goodness knows, shouldn't be doing that, should we? Um, but but nice. if you do go on, to, <laughs> if you go on to the government website, um, it is actually quite clearly marked. You can choose, do you want Sinovac or do you want BioNTech? Um, it's not a separate website. All of that is contained in the same place. So you simply select what you want to do. Obviously, for BioNTech, there's less places where it is available and no private doctor is able to offer that as an option because of the storage problems. It has to be stored at, at very um, low temperatures. So, you know. Here's one for you, Steve, and this comes from Hubertus, who says, um, if this 63-year-old who died was so sick with such a serious illness, uh, with serious illnesses, why was he given the vaccination in the first place? These are the questions we always forget to ask. I have to say, he, he that's didn't. a pretty, pretty damn good question, isn't it? I, 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 I assume, and I, you know, I don't want to start launching into areas <laughs> there where... Is no, there is no... Common denominator here. I, I, I assume he was he was he wasn't he, he had these underlying problems, but he wasn't showing symptoms at the time of vaccination. You are asked, incidentally, if you're showing <coughs> symptoms of various kinds of illness, and if you are, you won't get the vaccine. So you know, we we don't quite know what happened there, but it's it's a perfectly valid question. I'd like to know the answer to that as well. Well, no more for the time being. Let's have a PS. Let's have a coda, Steve. Oh, good luck. Keep right. Just keep telling us these things if you want to, because they are very interesting to read out. Obviously, everybody's going to have a different experience. And Steve, right, we've had some fairly positive ones this morning. We have. We have. And I mean, I have to say, just of my own experience, at the end of the day, I do have a booking for a vaccine. Admittedly, it's very far away from where I live, but then most things are far away from where I live, so shouldn't grumble about that. Fair on you. What else you but got for us? Just, this is a, an associated thing. And we did, in fact, talk about this last week which is this $5,000 electronic oh, voucher, yes. which What's is being Now, because the people who run the government don't live in the real world, they have no idea of what that actually means. They say it was designed to help small and medium-sized businesses. It was then pointed out to them that a lot of those businesses don't have a capability. Or, or don't exist anymore. <laughs> well, they've been, yeah, they've been extinguished. But even if they do, they don't have a capability of handling electronic payment. A lot of the most vulnerable people in society, elderly people, people who have um, other forms of impairment, do not use electronic means to, to conduct their business. So, you know, at all levels, this is a stupidly, stupidly um, clumsy scheme that isn't working. And finally... People from the real world have somehow penetrated the ivory towers of Tamar. And Paul Chan, the great thinker and spaceman that he is, has said, oh... He's going to give it a, re a rethink. Let's see. Let's see what comes out. The obvious solution is uh, just just do what you, what's been done before. You just put the money into people's bank accounts, and that's the end of that story. It's simple. Hong Kong actually has a method of doing this. And it could be done seamlessly. But, hey, why do it seamlessly when you can be clever? Consider the world changed. Nice one, Steve. I'll talk to you next week. Steve Vines here on Morning Brew.